Unsightly grounding stains? Ugly marks and blemishes? We've all seen them. We've all had them. But worry no longer, because help is at hand. Acid! Thank goodness for acid. Acid! Super corrosive acid! Yes, burn through all the dirt and muck with 100% pure, undiluted acid. I'm melting, it's incredibly painful. Tough on stains. Tough on the causes of stains. Tough on pretty much anything it comes into contact with. Acid! Acidity acid is terrific and acidic. Perhaps you have a weed problem in your garden. Perhaps you have an infestation of mice or rats. Perhaps your husband is cheating on you. Nine out of ten housewives know which bottle to reach for. Dig holes. Remove excess body hair. Pep up a bland casserole. But it's not just for the girls. Shampoo and conditioner take two bottles into the shower. Not me, I just take a giant canister of acid. I rub a little acid into my aching joints twice a day. Now I'm just a torso. I smell a bit like bacon. Bacon! Isn't it time for a smoother, more popular, limbless you? But don't take our word for it. We asked the man on the street. If you could be anything on the pH scale, what would it be? Acid. Acid! In stores now! I'm melting, it's incredibly painful! Hello everyone and welcome to episode 18 of the Oodcast. And as you know, we are on our third series. Um, so my name is Laura, Laura Simpson, for at least another two episodes. And with me, I have the gorgeous Mr. Mead. Say hello. Hello. And the incorrigible Mr. Candish. Hello. And the eloquent Mr. Foston. Greetings. Using See, real names. He actually used a different word to hello, showing how eloquent he is. Now, today I we have are a question be... actually. Oh. Can I ask Go a question? On. You know how we're both called Chris, and so we decided to call ourselves Chris Sigma and Chris Alpha in order to dis- differentiate between the two of us? Yes. Why didn't we use our surnames, which are actually a form of differentiation that actually makes sense? Because that's predictable. Right. And that had nothing to do with an ood. Oh, right. Yes. Oh, is that why we did yeah. it? I, I think so. I thought we were just doing a thing. Okay, oh, sorry. So yeah, well, cute. you know, being the alpha male, I did like that, but... Ugh. I'm glad I'm not Chris Beater, actually. <laughs> is this the gorilla cast? Yeah. With his you alpha never male. Eat crisps. <laughs> Pardon? You never eat crisps. What? Chris Beater. Chris Beater. Hey! <laughs> oh, None of this is slipped... <laughs> None anyway, of this is scripted, folks. Yes, I know. It's it's hard to believe. But um, so this week we'll be discussing the rebel flesh. The rebel now, how flesh. many people in the room did it make their skin crawl? <laughs> you again with your funniness. I know. Your I flesh crawl would question. be better. What? Did it make your skin crawl? Oh, a little. It was creepy. 
So, having given you a brief snippet, maybe a little globit of ready break type of fleshing out of the episode, now we're going to have the Oodcast News. Oodcast News. Hello and welcome. This is the Oodcast News. And tonight, an exciting media experiment. I'm actually reading this headline through a ganger. Yes, I'm tucked up at home in a comfy harness. It's like a luxury version of Skype. Following slow uptake of their full-face regeneration product, Clearasil today issued a new brand. This one aims to distract people from acne-ridden skin by totally morphing out your nose. Fans of Elvis Presley gathered outside Graceland last night to claim that the development of ganger technology is just further proof that the king never died and is in fact hooked up to a computer system somewhere waiting for a new version of himself to be made. This is embarrassing. I I don't have a headline this week. I um I was relying on my ganger to write it for me. I'm I'm so disappointed in him. Sports news now. I'm alive. I'm I'm alive. The government of Chile made good use of this week's Doctor Who by launching a recruitment drive for more miners, with a poster claiming that while Britain's fictional miners have to get alternate versions of themselves to do the dangerous work, their miners are brave and can spend months underground. And finally, writer Matthew Graham used an interview this week about his Doctor Who two-parter to announce that he is working on a sequel to the series Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes. It is hoped that the Laughing Gnome will appear on our screens next spring. Andy, I think you'll find it was your turn to write the headline. Gorgeous. Well, that was fun. Now, let's do a review. And first, I would like to get the opinion of... Christopher Foston, because you're always so balanced and nice and stuff. I really liked it. I thought it wasn't as good as last week, but then, you know, that's never going to really be possible. I don't think our marriage is going to be as good as last week. (laughs) But but Chris, now you're marrying Laura, so let's just leave that. Um, No, I thought it was a a very good... I'm going to ignore the crying happening on the other Mm. side of the table. Thank you. I thought it was a very good scene setter for what should be a, a, a much more interesting episode this week. It wasn't spectacular. It wasn't um, really that creepy. And there was one moment of CGI laughable rubbish. Oh, what, the um, snaky head thing? Yeah, how did you guess? It was like the Lazarus experiment all over again. <laughs> it was like the Lazarus Except... experiment fused with that bit in Lost in Space where Joey from Friends sort of <laughs> fights off. Yes, bad. It was, but then uh, I... Also, b- being balanced, I've never seen anything like that done well. So yes. it wasn't Terminator that... Two. I've never seen Terminator. Mm, yeah, you should. Terminator it's was done incredibly well, and it's about twenty-five years old or something now. No, not that old, but it's uh, <laughs> significantly older. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it, um, and I'm looking forward to next week. I got confused. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't well, end up watching The Only Way is Essex instead, did you? <laughs> Baf- BAFTA award winning The Only Way is Essex. Oh, oh indeed. kidding me. I found it confusing. Um, I think that there's a lot of stuff going on in the story that we've not 
been made aware of yet. For example, the Doctor definitely seems to know something about the Flash. Because right at the start, when they've arrived at the monastery, he says, oh, look, there's some people coming. Wow, almost people. That's before they've even gone into the monastery. Yeah. He could have scanned them, though. He, he, yeah. does say other, he does say a few other things that give you that as well. He, he describes it as primitive technology for a start. And also flesh is what um, the Tenth Doctor described the people in New Earth as. Really? Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Also, the Doctor is uh, sonicking the flesh. Uh, several times and um, there's also the bit where he goes off to get the TARDIS and en route he goes into the the room with the big flesh bowly thingy and Sonic's again seems to do some sort of interaction with it and then goes to get the TARDIS Mm. but also I got confused as to um, why do the gangers decide to start a war and why does Cleves decide that she wants to wipe out the gangers. There doesn't seem to be enough exposition as to why that should be. I think the, the reason he sonics the flesh, by the way, is because it's the only way to massage it. Maybe he's uh, got sort of a side project as a masseuse. Mm. <laughs> I thought that was uh, all, all an indication that the, the ganger doctor at the end was created intentionally by the doctor. I think it was. Did anybody think that they made the original ganger soup out of taking some chicken soup and then putting strawberry laces and peas in it? And yeah. Some flour to thicken it up. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. It looked really manky, but also a bit like dinner. It did. It looked a bit like white sauce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. It's, it's one o'clock. I've not eaten yet. I'm and sorry. now I'm hungry. And now you're thinking of a lovely chicken soupy. I am. Strawberry lacy person. Laura, stop it. Stop it, Laura. Stop I'm it. I'm sorry. Terribly sorry, Andy. Um, okay, I'm going to give you my two penneth. Right, so I thought that it was freaky as heck. I quite enjoyed all the little bits that are being set up, like, for example, the crew member with a cough or a sneeze mm. um, yeah. and the crew member with a ring around his neck, the fact that the real doctor doesn't have any shoes mm. um, anymore. And I think that would probably be quite interesting for all the costumers out there that they now have to consider the fact that the Doctor is going to get new boots. Oh, <laughs> There is actually a brand called Barefoot Doctor as well, isn't there? Is really? That? Yeah, it's a sort of a herbal brand, the Barefoot Doctor, it, sort it, of like hippie doctor. I think there's also a programme called that, I think. It's a documentary. That's good then. We shall call him the Barefoot Doctor. <laughs> Generally speaking, I'm usually unable to watch anything where people's faces go a bit manky. Um, I find that more scary than anything else, probably. It, just the sort of the psychological terror of at any moment their face could go weird and scary. And I don't like anything where people turn around and their faces are odd, which is yeah. why Waters of Mars was so frightening to me. I think the head turny bit and also the snaky bit in the uh, bathroom scene does indicate that the flesh can't be trusted there. Evil. No, no, I don't. I don't agree at all. No, I think the absolute the best thing about this episode, uh, the thing that's really interesting and lifts it up, um, because let's face it, it's basically the same story as the Silurian two-parter yes. last season. Yeah. Yeah. It's the humans versus a race that sort of have a claim to Earth in in some way, and the Doctor is mediating between the two sides. What lifts this up, I think, is that. They're not an evil doppelganger. Mm. I mean, the the story goes to pa- uh, quite large pains to to tell us that they are exactly the same. 
So these aren't. This isn't an good versus evil. These are just mm. two groups of people. Humans versus it's, humans. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a Frankenstein type thing, isn't it? Which is mm. why I've heard a lot of people saying there's a lot of similarities in this to a storyline in Battlestar Galactica. Having well, not watched it, don't talk about it because I haven't finished Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> um, I, well, I don't know what it is, so I'm not going to. But I think there's, pretending that it's Nick from Battlestar Galactica is kind of forgetting that. It's kind of a Frankenstein thing going on, where it is entirely, I think, that the reason Cleves tries to get rid of them or tries to kill them is because it's, it's partly fright and it's partly guilt because these are people that they have put their entire pe- their, their own essence into. It is them. They have created this intentionally and now they are ter- kind of turning against them. It's rather a nice irony that uh, everything is a copy of something else. Mm. So even the story <laughs> is a clone of something yeah. else. Yes. But they're very, very <laughs> subtly different in many ways. For example, like the original Cleves, I could tell that she was going to get a bit argy-bargy from her initial reaction to the Doctor, which was very much one of, this is my station, my rules, I'm not going to do and say what you say I should do and say. Um, and the uh, doppelganger Cleves is very much sort of more considered the last one to sort of say, all right, then yeah. we'll, we'll react. Whereas Jenny is quite an interesting character because originally she's quite sympathetic towards the flesh and seems quite disturbed by the sight of a sort of melty human meat popsicle um, <laughs> boiling away in a big tub, which just looked like a crazy jacuzzi that somebody had charted in, actually, to me. <laughs> but um, I, I was quite surprised that she reacted quite so vehemently i suppose it's just fear but also that she would kill her sire so to speak i'm using is that sire. what's happened well you I... just hear a horrible scream yeah and you and know then... that the other one can't run away or and isn't really inclined one to of them's fight got back. a limp but i couldn't work out that's the real that's the real who's one. the real jenny at the end of the episode the real Jenny at the end of the episode, you don't know what's happened to her. All you know is yeah. that she was dropped on by the fake Jenny. But I the must other have missed thing that, that then, because no. I remember the bit where you see one of the Jennies lying on the floor and the other one running away. But I didn't... I, no, I, she's not on the floor, she's on the ceiling. Right. Yeah, one of them's oh. lying... Uh, yeah, she's hanging from the ceiling, waiting for the... And she's also floor. managed to imitate Rory's voice, yeah. which is a bit freaky. They can imitate voices. Um... And the other thing that really, really intrigued me was that whole conundrum of who actually is the father of one of their sons, you know, because if if both of them were at the birth, if both of them were sort of present all the way throughout his life, why shouldn't it be a sort of a shared parenting role? And I thought it would be quite an interesting situation. What happens when they get home and sort of what... Mm. Like that weird film where the guy has to make loads of clones of himself and then one of them sleeps with his wife and he's like, oh, multiplicity starring wife. Michael Keaton. Thank you. I can't wait for you to meet my friends. I'm looking forward to it. They've been going on at me for weeks to meet you. They don't think you're real. Can't wait to put them right on that then. You'll like them, I think. Well, maybe not Trev, actually. Or Steve. I'm sure. They're... Or Jim, actually. Arthur's all right, but today's a Thursday never seems to understand Thursdays. I'm sure they'll be fine. And it's not as if I need to like them, is it? Are you all right? Uh, yes, I'm fine. Just just a bit of a headache, that's all. Never seen you grimace that much before. You sure it's just a headache? Yes. <coughs> uh, oh, 
if, if, if you're all right, what's that? Just something I ate earlier. Here, I'll get a cloth to wipe it up. You get the door. Okay. Hey, Mikey! How are you doing? Good, thanks. Come come in, all of you. Here you go, mate. Oh, oh nice, thanks. Can never have too much uh, vinegar. All I had in the house, I'm afraid. Hate coming round empty-handed. Well, always nice to have some more acid in the house. Like I don't get enough of that stuff at work. So? So what? Where's this mythical Jennifer, then? Oh, <laughs> Jennifer... She went into the kitchen a minute ago. We ought to go and introduce ourselves then. Wait, at least let her come out. Is this some kind of joke? What? There's no one there. Just what looks like custard all over the floor. Did you make us custard, Mikey? What? Oh no, Jennifer. I thought she looked unstable. What's wrong with him? I think he's tried the ganger girlfriend trick on us again. You'd think he'd learn by now. The big big thing for me is this could be an episode of any SF series, really. It could be a Star Trek episode very easily. In fact, I think Star Trek has done these sort of episodes quite a bit. So the new life form, do they have a right to exist alongside the humans? Um, there was nothing about this that really sparkled in the way that Doctor Who can uh, sparkle and has very recently done so. Uh, I thought the production design was brilliant. I'm very interested that the acid suits look almost exactly like Sontaran uniforms, especially when Sontarans are a clone race, even down to Mm. the ribbed metal slats Mm. down the front and the shape of the helmets. I wonder if that was... I'm sure that was on purpose. Um, I really enjoyed the hanging out in the TARDIS scene with the contemporary Mm. music and playing darts. That was good. I find it funny that every time we see the Doctor in the TARDIS, he's just looking at a scan of Amy. It's like we left him last last week looking at a scan of Amy. Oh, I had an idea last night. Is the um em, is the Schrodinger's embryo all because there's a ganger Amy out there and the TARDIS can't work out which one it's meant to be scanning and it's scanning the ganger Amy that is pregnant, whereas the original Amy isn't pregnant. You think the TARDIS would be able to work out that the Doctor means the one that's standing in the TARDIS, not yeah, the one well, somewhere maybe, else? Maybe, mm. or maybe not. Um, you mentioned the Silurian episode yes. earlier and the similarities, and there are a lot of similarities. But I think what this one does as does much better is whereas the Silurian one made a big scene out of the negotiations between the humans and the Silurians, this one starts it and then just dashes all hopes very quickly and just gets on with the story a little bit more. And that's where it was at is, its strongest. I thought mm, when they yeah. were all in the room together, there was some really good acting going on and it was well scripted. I don't think it's a bad script. I do think that the direction and editing are incredibly stilted, even down to Rory throwing the dart. And mm. it just takes a second too long in the cut to hit yes. the board. There's too much flab in the edit. There's too much just corridors and people running down them that you don't need to see. There doesn't seem to be I a flow to I never thought I'd hear you say that. But <laughs> um, I, I disagree. I, I didn't notice the tempo of the edit being bad. It was kind of quite traditionally Doctor Who, though. And I know you said it didn't have all the f- uh, as, um, as much of the feel of Doctor Who, but it's quite a traditional story. Story, Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. And I think yeah, nothing spectacular really happens until the end. 
But I think it, it, it means that next week's might be a bit better and it won't include an overly schmaltzy ending with David Tennant lighting an Olympic flame. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate it. I certainly didn't hate it. There were some exceptionally great bits in it. I really liked the bit where the doctor tells everyone to assume the crash position <laughs> and Rory just looks around <laughs> and then just <laughs> sits goes on the floor. fetal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was very funny. I haven't praised Matt Smith specifically for a couple of weeks. I think there were some brilliant little acting bits. There's there's certainly a bit where, oh, I can't remember exactly, he says, where's your control room? And he's really authoritative. Yeah. And then when she says, he gives her a thumbs up and then he's all <laughs> smiles again. And that way that he can turn mm. on an emotional dime like that mm. is breathtaking. Well done, Matt. There's a nice bit where he, uh, he walks in on the gangers and he says... It, it, he's surprised. He's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that kind of look. And then he goes, so how are we all getting on then? Kind of like, this is obviously a tricky situation, but let's make everything sound fluffy. Because that's his hope. That's his eternal optimism coming mm. out. And I was intrigued that he was so um, wary of his clone initially. So show yourself, show yourself. Of course mm. he knows what he's doing. Of course mm. he knows that he's imprinted mm. it and what's going to happen. But um yeah, I'm quite intrigued by some of the cutscenes from the next week's episode. So, um, in summary, what are we hoping for from next week's episode and what did we think in one or two words of this one? Um, considering the pedigree of the episode, I thought it was excellent. Um, it was a really good scene setter. Uh, what I'm hoping from next week is that two things don't happen. One, that the man with the cold doesn't kill the gangers with a cold, like in War of the Worlds, because yeah. that would just be so disappointing. Um, and two, the ganger doctor isn't the doctor that gets shot. Hmm. You mean in the impossible planet? Yeah. Because um, impossible that, that would seem far too easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right there. I've got high hopes for next week because there's a lot that's been set up that is very interesting and very difficult uh, situations. We have the whole, are they human? Aren't they human? What do we do about that? Uh, can they continue to live in peace and harmony? Then we've got what's going to happen to the Ganga Doctor. I think that is going to be very, very intriguing. Mm. So, yeah, high hopes. I always have high hopes because it's my favourite series of all time. I'm sure there'll be some brilliance next week. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite looking forward to the end of next week's episode because I know that this actually has a cliffhanger that leads into a, a good man goes to war. So I think we're going to see something pretty jaw-dropping mm. at the end, at least, of next week's. Uh, but I do hope for some wit and some humour and fun during the episode as well. I am convinced that next week's episode won't be quite as scary because it looks quite sort of action-packed mm. and punchy and fighty and those things are always a little bit more boring. But at the same time, um, Andrew and and everybody else are right. There's all sort of quandaries and dilemmas all been set up that I'm so interested to see how they're resolved. And overall, I thought this episode was brilliantly horror-y fun. So, Foreman Rogers. I assume it was you who filled out this form of requesting a review of ganger duties. Yes, sir. I have spoken to the team and we are unanimous that overall this environment is a death trap and far too dangerous for us to be exposed to on a permanent basis. I see. Well, well, that is a serious concern then. Um, have there been any specific incidents that lead you to believe this? Yes, sir. Only last week Hilton there survived a potentially life-threatening incident. Oh, really? Hilton, care to explain? 
Sir, I was uh, refilling the photocopier, sir, and as I lowered the new ream of paper into the drawer, I received a nasty paper cut to the tip of my left index finger. A paper cut? Well, it weren't half sore. Did it become infected at all? Oh, no, I put some antiseptic cream and a bandage on straight away. I had him take two days' bed rest, too. Can't expect him to get over the shock and back to work that quickly. It was his toast-buttering hand, after all. Right. Anything else happen? Yes, sir, I broke a nail last week on the microwave door. I've been meaning to fill out a form about that, too, sir. Vicious bloody thing, that. What were you doing when you broke your nail? Um, Turner, sir. Nothing, just sitting minding my own business. The door flew across the worktop and took my nail off. Really? Now that does sound worrying. Uh, How far do you think you were from the appliance at the time? Hard to say, sir. 20, maybe 30 centimetres. And did the door keep moving? Oh, no, sir. Paula shut it. And do I take it that you are Paula? Yes, sir. Analyst Jones. Well, Jones, what made you shut the microwave door? I'd finished cooking my lunch, sir. I had no idea Turner was leaning there. Right. Well, um, unless there are any more dangerous incidents to report... Just one, sir. Quickly, then. It happened in the toilets. I'd just popped it uh, to um, refresh myself, and I'd finished my business when I noticed something wrong. Took me a moment before I (laughs) realised. But it was an awful shock when I did. Oh, my goodness, what happened? (laughs) We've run out of toilet paper. (sighs) Right. That's it. I have come to my conclusion. Yes, sir. Can we move to full ganger duties? Well, under sections 15, 16, 17 and 21, not to mention section 437 subjections A to T and the second half of subjects 909, I find you to be idiots. Get on with your work. (laughs) Fascist. Okay, well, something I wanted to quickly talk about, and I I understand it does have to be quick, is, is Stephen Moffat taking this show away from the mass audience? I think Russell T. Davis definitely knew how to market to what I'm going to call the X Factor audience, the real broad mass market audience. Um, And that obviously annoyed fans quite a lot, but made the show hugely popular. Stephen Moffat, for my money, is making a better, more interesting, more intelligent, more daring show. But is he in danger of making it one that it doesn't appeal to the mass market, that becomes a niche cult show once again? God, I hope not. But at the same time, I sort of hope that he sticks to his principles and carries on making television that's cerebral and intriguing and encourages yeah. people to think rather than just phone a premium rate phone line. Yeah. <laughs> Give me cerebral and intelligent. I'm even know. if it means the show gets stop stops being made. Ah, oh, don't be daft. I think that you've got stuff like Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes. They're fairly niche as is being human. That's quite niche as well. I think that there is a Doctor Who niche and I'm and uh, because the, I love Doctor the, Who, I'm happy with the that. The difference with being human is that it isn't on BBC One prime time on Saturday evenings. It doesn't so. command the budget. No. It, the, mm. You know, there's. But also, you know, the viewing figures are still holding up uh, the same as they were a couple of years ago. So I don't think that it's losing audience. I think it's still the big, big show. I think it's interesting because there, there is, there certainly was a case, and I think there still is a case. 
of seeing where or how far he can push it with the audience that RTD managed to pull. I see. So he's he's got such a strong hand, he, he's allowed to be daring, I and think that's so. great. Mm. And if it works, then brilliant. We've just pulled an extra bunch of viewers into a really interesting sci-fi Yeah. And universe. if it doesn't, it's got enough momentum to allow him to keep telling the stories he wants to tell for a couple more years, and then maybe someone more populous could take over again yeah, after you've got to remember that maybe. Doctor Who always changes every few years anyway, so... You know, at some point Stephen Moffat will move on and, and then there'll be another showrunner. You, you don't get Stephen Moffat to write something thinking he's going to make it incredibly vapid and popular. Well, RTD stuff wasn't vapid. No, no, I'm not saying it was. I'm, I'm certainly not saying it was. I mean, just it, if that's basically all its competition on a Saturday night. Oh, and so you think you can dance. I like that. Oh, actually. okay. And empty idiots dancing on TV. Sorry. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> with your posturings and mincing gait. So, Chris, um, people have loved your poetry in the past, and I think it's only fair to say that you are one of the better poets that I know. Why don't you grace us with a little bit more of your musings, seeing as we've just been dissing everybody who's not literary and so on and so forth? (laughs) Okay, I'll try. So I decided uh, last week, having never written a haiku in my life, I would sum up every episode of this season with a haiku. What's a haiku, Uncle Chris? It's a short Japanese poem. With what does it consist of? of? <laughs> okay, it, it, this isn't technically correct. Because Japanese don't because have the concept of syllables, right? Yeah, they have ons, which are sh- sort of short syllables. So it's it adds up slightly differently in Japanese. But it's basically three lines of five syllables, seven syllables, and then five syllables. Okay. Nice. So this is The Impossible Astronaut. Doctor dies, friends mute, creepy voice bothers Nixon, unlikely spaceman. Nice. Um, Day of the moon, forgotten silence, defeated by their own voice. No moonwalk though, shame. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Curse of the black spot, hijinks on high seas, siren calls shipmates to doom, pirates in space now. Excellent. The doctor's wife, his soulmate human, her thief's box stolen by voice. She leaves with hello. <laughs> Aww. And the rebel flesh. Dusty's voice draws them. Goo-based people threaten them. Doctor meets himself. Ooh. So uh, tune in next week for, I, I suppose, we will have a haiku every week from now on. Uh, for, for the next... Two weeks. (laughs) Yay. I am going to speak in haikus for the rest of this episode. Well, that's very good. So thanks all. uh, Thanks to everybody for downloading and listening to us again. We really do appreciate it. We've noticed we've got a few more listeners. So if any of you want to leave us a review, please do so on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, Also, we've got a best of episode coming up so write in with your favorite sketches and things you can write in on our oodcast facebook page which is www.facebook.com forward slash the oodcast or you can find us on twitter at let's all say our own twitter handle shall we well at the same time no (laughs) (laughs) at the oodcast is mine at the oodlaws is mine at ood andy is me and at alpha ood is me so 
let us know what you're thinking. Okay, all right. So it's goodbye from me. Bye bye. Uh, goodbye and good evening and all of that. Goodbye from me, Chris. I am going to say <laughs> now that it is the end. Me 